Okay, good evening everyone. Dashian Miller here with this episode of Kuden. We have a question. Uh, if you've ever failed at a goal, right, um, did you risk getting boiled, hung, stabbed, decapitated? No? Well, let's talk about that more when we get back. It'll be a fun one. All right. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. All right, Dashiell Miller here again. Uh, let's see. So I'm grunging it today. Can you tell? I'm a little rough around the edges. Anyway, uh, finally getting the house together. For those of you not watching live, it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> so um, hopefully by next week, if not next week, the week after, um, my home office and home studio will be set, uh, reset up. We'll be out of this rental, uh, it's emergency housing from the fire and all that wonderful stuff. And um, We'll be back over there, and right, uh, things will be set up, and uh, the background will look different and all that kind of cool stuff. So anyway, all right, again, that's for the folks that are watching live. Uh, if you are um, uh, one of the folks that get this via Apple Podcast or Stitcher Radio or one of the hundreds of um, places, uh, podcast directories where we are, then, um, again, you can't see me. Neener, neener, neener. Anyway, all right, so um, how has everyone been? Episode 149, so next one, 150, wow. All right, so again, I'm uh, my own producer uh, today. James has uh, something to do. It's, it's, this is going to be another couple of weeks before uh, he's back on with us, just some things he had to take care of, but here we are. All right, let me just uh, shift and see who might already be on. Let's see, Julia's on. Um, let's see, showing, what, not quite half a dozen. I don't know if you guys can see that on your side or not. But anyway, all right. So as you know, right, with Kudin, the idea is uh, to be looking at things uh, from the, that perspective of training where it's the teacher-student kind of thing, right? Um, uh, there's been times where I've been in Japan and, you know, might might have a side conversation with Azumisate or, People have a discussion during break time uh, in between, like you know, we'll have a class, maybe it's an hour and a half long, right? So there might be a 20 to 40, whatever, give or take minute break in between. Um, you know, he'll do artwork, that kind of thing. Could happen, you know, before class, whatever. Typically, there's this break time. But uh, I remember many times training at Somea Sensei's dojo where uh, after class, right, get the general student body out and whatnot, and then there's this small table that's set up, right? And uh, the black belts sit around and uh, we'll have tea and, I don't know, maybe some crackers or whatever, um, and we'll have this discussion, right? And uh, sometimes sensei would initiate it. Other times, you know, somebody would bring up this this topic or it might be something from class, who knows? And it could go for you know, hour, a couple hours, whatever. Just this discussion, right? 
about sensei's take on things, right? And not not necessarily Hatsumi sensei's, but it, it's a filtering kind of thing, right? And for those who don't know, Sumeya-san, uh, Sumeya sensei is uh, is the only Bujinkan Japanese Daishihan that I know of that has a direct he's a direct descendant of a samurai family, right? So uh, don't screw around with like um, uh, I don't know bad etiquette or whatever in class. Um, uh, we, we've had several of those classes where he made sure that everybody knew what was supposed to be happening. So when people went to uh, anything from sword shops, right, um, to just general carrying of themselves or communicating online or whatever, they were not what he would term uh, to be a, an embarrassment to the Bujinkan, right? So, uh, but anyway, we have these discussions, right? And this is that, this idea of that kuden, right? Of course, there's, there's also this idea of shinden, right? Um, so if, if we break things down, and I've, I've done, you know, past episodes or uh, whatever on these things, right? We have three aspects to training, taiden, kuden, and shinden, right? So from the very beginning, of my training uh, in this art, right? My promotions were based on improvement in all three areas, right? Didn't have a choice, okay? And it was very, it was, uh, we, we had testing forms that were filled out, like if you were going up for a test or something like that, right? Um, they weren't subjective, right? And so uh, it was very clear on there, right? You're being tested on, right? You're gonna do a physical demonstration, right? You could be asked questions during the test, but more often than not, if they were considering you for promotion, you could have been asked those questions before, during, after, whatever, right? They wanted to get a sense of your understanding of the art, the techniques, the why of things, right? Um, how, you know, how things work, right? Uh, and just that you were generally increasing your own level of knowledge and education, right? Because this idea of, uh, in Togakure school, it's, this all falls under the Seishin Teki, right? Personal development, personal clarity. It's kind of a, a broad catch-all kind of thing. In the Ninjino Hachimon, right? Uh, the, uh, Ninjino Kyomon, right? This, uh, the eighth gauge, right? Is knowledge, right? And so, I mean, th this could be anything from, like, knowledge of the art itself, okay? It's one of the reasons why I had the Ninja Hachimon uh, program, right? The really popular one is, like, the e-book and the, the audio book, which is just me reading the book, right? Um, uh, just a short form kind of thing, right? Just a quick overview, right? Um, all the way to this one that is a 10 module, 11 module. 11 module, I think, because uh, one of them was, became two, two parts, right? It was that big. Um, so it was a originally a 10-week, 11-week program that now it's not weeks but modules, right? You go through it at your own, own pace. But it's a much bigger, much broader, expanded um, version of it, right? And so um, it could be that, right, because it's important to know what it is that you're supposedly supposedly training in, right? I mean, for, for God's sake, how many times are people calling just the unarmed combat stuff, right? The ninja no taijutsu or just the, the ninpo taijutsu, whatever, right? They're calling that box 
with some weapons thrown in or whatever, right? They're calling it needed to, which is this big umbrella kind of thing that includes tons, right? I mean, everything from stealth to to uh, disguise and impersonation to whatever, right? Uh, meteorology, right? Being able to uh, tell, you know, uh, read the weather, geography, wilderness survival skills, all kinds of things, right? Um, but that, right? Self knowledge, right? Understanding yourself, right? So that you don't step on your <laughs> step on your ego on a regular basis, right? Um, by trying to bullshit your way through life. Uh, to knowing a lot about a lot of things, especially those things that you know you're you're involved in on a regular basis, right? But if we go deeper into that, it's also about understanding that knowledge, right, is the antidote. Knowledge is the armor. It's the protection against one of the other gates, right, in the ninja's uh, eight gates, right? Ninja no uge, which is deception and manipulation, right? And it's one thing for us to use it, right? But can you imagine how <laughs> how ironic it would be? for a ninja to fall for deception and manipulation, okay? And it's not that it, this stuff's not going on all the time, right? Um, once you know how it works, you're better, you're better armed, I guess, right, to, to, to use it or to not let it affect you to the same degree, right? For instance, I know that marketing is designed to influence my actions, right, and get me to buy things. The really good marketers know me and people like me and what we're looking for and what we're, what we're trying to achieve in life. So they're going to present things already in that direction. Like, you know, if this is you, you might be interested in this kind of thing, right? Um, and we'll spot that. Now, I know what's going on, so very quickly I'll skip over the, okay, I understand the formula you're using. I understand how you're doing that. Let's get to the nitty-gritty because I'm a pragmatist, okay? Does this have the features I'm looking for to do the things I need to do? If the answer is yes, okay, right? How much is it? Does that fit in my budget? But those who don't understand it, right, are more likely to browbeat you, right, uh, be like the used car salesman, okay, just trying to talk you into this particular one, right? Um the difference is one person finds out what people need, what might be missing in other options, and then designs something around that so it fits a need. The other person designs a program or comes up with an idea and then runs around trying to convince everybody that they need it. Okay? Uh, said another way, as a martial arts instructor, right, if I know who my best students are for what it is that I offer. Adult students, men, women, parents of this age group, parents of this age group. If I know that, then that's what I'm going to lead with, right? I'm going to lead with this thing, okay? So that those who have been looking for a solution to given problems, should probably mute that, right? To given problems, um, they may not know what it's called because most of my best students weren't looking for needed to when they found me. They weren't. Okay. Sorry about that. 
keep the phone from going off. All right, so, but they knew what they were looking for. They knew they would know it when they saw it, okay? So if I know what we offer and I know what people are looking for, now I'm not bullshitting anybody, right? I'm not making it up so I match what they're looking for because this is not buying a refrigerator or a car or whatever, and then the person's going to be resentful because they feel like they got stuck and they got shafted. Developing a long-term relationship with potential students or parents of students or whatever, right? So I need to be honest. There needs to be a lot of integrity and, and trust and those kind of things, right? So if I communicate and I see our art in whatever way, right, as solutions to problems, and then I identify a certain type of person who's looking for a certain aspect, then I can at least put together an intro program that communicates that thing, okay? You see where I'm going here with the goals and all that, okay? So we'll get back to some other things, right? So if I communicate that way, then anybody that sees the message, right, and not like, uh, I am uh, Daishihan in the Bujinkan, and uh, there's nine lineages, and they're named this, and they were all founded by this Japanese guy, right, that nobody can pronounce in English, right, and all this kind of crap that's on 99.9% .9 of freaking Nijutsu websites, right, that is going to turn somebody off right away, if for no other reason than they don't want to offend anybody by mispronouncing things, right? And so, anyway, I communicate these things. They're going to recognize it, right? And they're going to approach me. Very different from someone who has found the coolest martial art, right? And then is running around. Everything from their website to their business cards to the way they do demonstrations and all that kind of stuff, right? Trying to convince people that this is the best martial art. It's the coolest thing. We've got all this stuff, and you should do it, right? Um Good luck, okay? And so often people don't gauge their success or failure based on looking at the actual results compared to the approach they're taking. They don't, right? What they do is they do, think, they do what they think is going to work, and then regardless of the results, which are usually mediocre, right, then they blame what? They blame the economy. They blame the area. There's not enough people that are interested to live around here. They blame uh, the potential students. Well, they're just, you know, too stupid to see the benefit. Whatever, right? It couldn't possibly be their approach. It couldn't possibly be the fact that all they see as far as value is – what they see for themselves, right? And here's here's that thing, right? I mean, failure comes in all shapes, right? And that's the that's the topic for today, right? The consequences of failure, right? If any of us are teaching martial arts, right? The consequences of failing to communicate the value of what you're offering or what we have, right? Sorry, I keep touching my table here, and it's like creating what looks like an earthquake, right? Anyway, um, the, the, the consequences of not doing that well, to not being able to match the message 
to the mindset who has a problem they're trying to find a solution for, right? That could be confidence. It could be self-defense. It could be whatever. It's not mine. It could be, right? I have a group of people that, that think alike or whatever, right? Okay. And it's about the same size, maybe a little bit larger than most people's training groups. Okay. But my dojo, total student body is seven times larger than that. Okay. Because not everybody's all in on those kind of things, right? Parents don't want to turn their kids into freaking some, you know, into assassin or, or warrior or whatever, right? Um, they just want the kid to be confident and not be bullied and, and those kind of things, right? So, but the consequences are right in front of us, right? What are the consequences of me not getting this right? Well, if I don't get it right long enough, then the rent doesn't get paid, the electricity gets turned off, and we're back to a couple of guys hanging out in my backyard, maybe, if the weather's nice, right, training. The consequences are um, I'm doing what for a living to feed my family, okay? But is that really bad enough for a lot of people, okay? Uh, and we've had other episodes. I'm not going to get into a lot of this stuff where um, the way we define our goals, right, creates a ceiling of potential, right? That's as far as you're going to go. As a matter of fact, the rule of time management and the, the rule of goal attainment is that whatever goal you set for yourself or whatever time limit you set for yourself, right? Um, well, when it comes to goals, most people start to slow down and are willing to settle for 50 to 80% of that, okay? The problem with that is most people don't set goals high enough, so acceptability it's pretty easy right when it comes to time management the rule of time management is um, it will take the amount of time you set for yourself plus 20 percent so i always set time limits for myself that are way under because you got that right and again it doesn't matter if i'm going for my next belt level or whatever because if i'm serious about the deadline right and again it's the consequences okay if we, well, you know, if we're looking around at today's society, and I'm not going to be on a soapbox for very long here, if we're looking around at today's society, right, we see what happens when kids are raised with little to no consequences, when people can be a shitty-ass employee, right, and they don't get canned, right, on the spot, okay, they're allowed to stay, right, fester, right, and and infect the other employees, and then the productive productivity of everything goes down, Businesses end up closing, whatever, right? But in, in the meantime, everybody wants a pay raise because, you know, you know, I showed up and I'm here for eight hours a day and I've been here for this long doing minimal accepted, uh, minimally accepted productivity and I didn't get fired for it. So where's my pay raise? Where's my bonus? Where's my what? Okay. So. Again, I want, I, want to, I want to kind of put this into context, right? Um, if we think about – I don't want to talk about success tonight. I want to talk about failure, okay? I'm assuming that most people that are here, right, are here because this is a ninja podcast, right? I don't know how many people have, have read 
the history, right? And I don't just mean like the history of the art in general, right? Ninja could do cool shit, right? Okay. Like all my little wounds and stuff that I picked up, like right? for those of you on video, right? Anyway, I made a joke the other day that was my stigmata, right? But I only have like one, so I'm only halfway there. Anyway, um, so uh, if we think about the ancient ninja, if you've if you've read any stories, little microbiographies of individuals, right? Man, what you find out is that these people had to be uber committed to what they were doing because if you screwed up, man, let's just say that it was so bad that if you lose, well, you better win, okay? So uh, let's for a moment talk about the consequences of failure in ancient Japan as a ninja, okay? Because... Right. The samurai had this code, right? You couldn't do certain things because it would be considered underhanded, cheated or whatever. But the reality was strategically, they still needed shit to get done. They need, still needed bad stuff to happen. And it wasn't, it wasn't something where you like throw gasoline on a fire. We'll just start a whole war because we got one bad apple over here that's got to go. Right. So, what they do? Well, they hired ninja. Okay, so you can't do it because if you do it, then you got to kill yourself, right? Um, and what most people don't understand either is that ninja were samurai, right? They just had a when we say counterculture, right? It wasn't like they were poor farmers up against like wealthy. Samurai families and stuff like that, right? And they had money, they had castles, they had all that. If you ever go to Japan with me, I will take you to some of these places, right? The White Phoenix Castle and Iga and a lot of these places, right? Where it just, it just blows things out of the, out of the water, right? Hanzo Hattori, right? In the history books is identified as a samurai from Iga. He was the head of the Iga Ryu, the Momochi clan, those kind of things, right, where he was one of the most influential figures um, during that time period, right? So, but let's take a look at a couple of these things, okay? Because here's how serious, and, I, and when, before I started the intro, right, I said, you know, if, when, when you failed on some of your goals up to this point, right, um, were you boiled, right? Were you dipped in, in hot oil, basically fried, right? Those kind of things. Let's, let's take a look at a couple of other ones, right? Bamboo or wood driven up under the fingernails, right? Flayed alive, right? Yeah. We're just, right? Um, burning, right? Burned. Um, what else? Some of these things um, that the samurai developed actually lasted at least until World War II. I don't know if they're, they're still doing the things or not. Um, we'll talk about those th things here in a minute. But, um, up until now, every, you know, everything really bloomed around the Warring States period, right? But before the Warring States period, there was like flogging and stuff like that. Like if you got, let's say, 50 lashes, right? Um, normally, half was done on your back and half was done on your butt, right? So even back then, they were whipping your ass, right, for doing bad things. Um, 
but you could, you know, you could petition if they were okay, you know, <laughs> showed leniency, right? Okay, then you can have them all on your back or all on your ass or, you know, whatever, right? Um, hanging, uh, I think I said burning, all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, they hung you, right? Or decapitated or anything like that, right? Um, then afterwards, typically what happened was your head and or your entire corpse were put out on display as a warning to everybody else. Right? It's pretty freaking gruesome, right? Not that they didn't have a lot of these same things over in Europe. I just think human beings, you know, have just generally come up with ways to convince people to toe the line. But you have these ninja, right, who have to get their hands dirty to bring peace back to an area. Get rid of somebody that is, you know, is detrimental to the, the general populace, whatever, right? Um, and because it's all not seen as honorable, right? It's not like in today's world, right? Um, you know, a law enforcement officer or whatever, right? You, you, uh, do a little, uh, uh, sting operation or whatever, right? And, you're basically setting up a giant lie, right? And these people come in and they're looking to win the lottery or cash in on their ticket or whatever. And you know, these were all bail jumpers and stuff. And now they're all going off to jail. Well, that's not fair. Well, you know, you lied and you whatever, right? Yeah, but what you, we call it. It's not like that, right? Um, so if they if they failed in their mission, it was not going to be good. And oftentimes. It wasn't just good for you, not good for you. I mean, uh, the Battle of Iganoran and uh, the two attacks or assaults on Togakure, right? Uh, in modern times, known as Togakushi, right? Uh, again, if you ever go to Japan with me and I take you to these places, right? Um, like these mountains are not like rolling hills kind of thing, or even like, um, not, not that some aren't like the Alps or whatever, but these freaking mountains, I mean, they're like something out of a storybook. I mean, they just, the, the angles are really, really, really steep, right? Just dropping into a ravine. And that's where these people live, out and away from everybody. I mean, even the bus and train systems now, I mean, the roads are narrow. The train tracks are narrow. Um, every time I take one of these things, I'm, I'm surprised that, like, you know, that wasn't my day to, uh, uh, I don't know, find out just how good gravity works. Anyway, so uh, to be caught, right? I mean, they, they, would, they would go after your families or your entire clan, right? Um, you know, there was, attack on, there was an attack on Togakure Mountain by Odu Nobunaga um, once and solely for the purpose, solely for the reason that, I mean, there was all these myths going on and whatnot, right? The ninja, you know, could command animals and they could shape shift and all kinds of stuff, right? And back in a day when everybody was superstitious, not a bad idea to play into those things to keep people away, right? But Oda Nobunaga, who was a really good horseman, right? Um, supposedly, as the stories go, right? As his biography goes, um, the only time he'd ever been thrown from his horse was on Togakure, okay? So, uh, and the only reason that could have happened, obviously, was because, you know, these people commanded demons and whatever, right? So, um, th it was really difficult for armies, right, to get up these friggin' mountains. But this scared him and pissed him off to such a degree that 
he sent an army, right? And the first time, I think it was thwarted. They didn't make that much headway, right? Second time, I think the army was two or three times the, the original size. And, you know, the rest is history, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended. Um, but, uh, I mean, Ninja had to do, do their own things as well, right? But, I mean, it, so get caught for a crime, whatever. I mean, the crime was a lot of these punishments were just for peasants, right? A lot of people think about Kitty and Seppuku and, you know, disembowelment and stuff like that. That was reserved for the, for the samurai class, right? Um, the stuff for commoners or for ninja, right? Dissidents and stuff like that. Oh, pretty bad. I mean, then once the, once the Jesuits came in and brought the idea of crucifixion, then you had a whole bunch of other things going on, right? So anyway, some of these other, um, some of these other punishments, right? Now, I want you to think about this compared to how we think about failing in a goal. Because I've heard lots of, lots of excuses, lots of reasons, lots of, oh, you don't understand, man, like this, this happened, or I can't let this thing happen, or whatever. And, um, well, let's just see if they compare. Okay? And I get it. Everybody has their own threshold, but, we're trying to be ninja for God's sake. Or let's back it down from that. Right? We're just trying to be warriors. Okay? Right? <laughs> We're willing to take on hardships that would make most people pee themselves and just flat out not get out of bed in the morning. Okay? So it's kind of ironic that some things stop people. Right? But think about the excuses you've heard from others. Whatever. Right? How, how, how. You know, this, this is the thing that stopped me or whatever. Okay. Um, and there's actually a couple of examples of these in movies, right? The one I'm thinking of right now, um, it was a women's choir that, uh, it was on this one island, right? They rounded up a bunch of British women from different countries. And this is how these women ended up kind of surviving, right? Um, but the Japanese, um, you know, rounded them up and put them in this camp and whatever, right? So there's this one where a bamboo skewer, okay, think, uh, well, bamboo is very, very strong, right? It'll flex a lot, right? Um, it's very difficult to break bamboo by bending it, right? Um, you have to twist bamboo to break the fibers, which is why takeori, one of our techniques, right? You have to understand that idea of, ba- of breaking bamboo. Takeori means breaking bamboo. You have to understand that process to really understand how to affect and how to get that lock on somebody. Not that you can't get kind of ish things, right? But if you understand this truth about bamboo, you will, you will make a takeyori just gut wrenchingly painful. Okay. So, but what they do is if you know how your ankles are formed, right? You get your Achilles tendon right behind the heel, right? Right behind the heel comes up, you got an ankle bone, you know, your tip fib assembly goes up and all that, right? But there's this spongy little area, right, right between the ankle bone and the Achilles tendon, right? So ankle bone, Achilles tendon, for those of you on video, right? And there's a spongy area, right? Tissue, whatever, okay? So what they would do is they would pierce through that because the Achilles tendon is extremely strong. That connection from your shin, from your calf to your heel, right, with that, where that Achilles tendon is connected, really, really strong. If you, if you tear or injure your Achilles tendon, there was just a massive amount of force on there. Just like if your femur, right, your thigh bone is broken or your jaw, 
right? Most broken jaws are not the mandible being broken. It's the TMJ, right? The joint is broken away, okay? If your if you're jawbone, right, the jawbone is in, in all mammals is the, is the hardest bone size for size in the body, right? The strongest one next to that, right, based on size is your femur. But your jawbone, I mean, think about it. They would, they would use jawbones of, of yaks and asses and whatever as weapons, right? But if this gets broken, if your jaw truly, that the mandible gets broken, you have so much in the way of facial and skull damage, it's not even funny, right? So you should be, feel lucky that you're alive, right? Um, but what they would do is there's that, there's that space, right? They would drive a bamboo skewer through that, through both feet, right? So you're tied, right? Your hands are tied behind your back, right? And so you've got this, this basically a chopstick, right, running through both, both uh, ankles in front of the Achilles tendon. Okay, so hands are bound behind your back. Rope comes up around your neck, and then it pulls back and is tied to that skewer. Okay, so you're tied in a in an arched back position. Okay, so if you try to straighten up to relieve the pressure on your neck, you yank on the feet, the ankles, right, which burns and is excruciating. Okay. If you lean back to relieve that pressure, right, it's just, it's just this double back kind of thing, right? Um, in the advanced levels, we teach people how to put lock, double locks on people, um, two different locks. So the, if they try to relieve one or go with one, they break themselves with the other and, and vice versa, right? It's the same, same principle. But the problem with this is that if you stay in that arched back position too long, your, your uh, erector muscles cramp up they lock up and then everything spasms and then the anterior muscles fire and you end up choking yourself or whatever right and even if you could hold yourself there for that long right eventually things will tire out or you're going to get tired and fall asleep okay so you're in this position and then they have these punji sticks these sharpened bamboo or sticks or whatever planted around you in a circle so that when you fall over you impale yourself, okay? And then you're out in, in front of all the other princeters and stuff like that, so they're going to watch it happen as well, right? So it's this horrendous torture that's going to end in death, but there you are trying to save yourself. Um, usually what a ninja would do is just, you know, die anyway, so screw you, right? We'll just topple over and finish ourselves. Anyway, um, so... Uh, again, you could just be tied, right, in Zagamai, right, hands tied behind your back, and left to sit there, right, with these punji sticks around, because eventually you're going to fall asleep. And when you fall asleep, then your body collapses and you fall on these things or whatever, okay? Uh, they had one where you were suspended by a cord, like a silken cord, right? So your body would be strapped in, hands tied behind your back and all that kind of stuff, and then they would just hoist you up where center body is, is hanging off this, this one cord, right? And then there's a sword, a vertical sword or a stick right under uh, your body that when the, when the cord breaks, because eventually it will, you're just going to drop on this thing, right? But it's just this, this psychological warfare stuff going on. 
Um, again, hanging, all that kind of crap, right? So anyway, so here's what I think of, right? Compared to that, And, and maybe it's me. And, and I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm well over 80% sure, right? That there's a, it's not necessarily a, well, it is a personality type, but you can, you can grow your personality type, right? It's not like you were born that way. Some people are, but most are not, right? Um, experiences and, and things that you just decide you're going to do and whatnot. Um, there are certain character traits that you have to develop to make it happen. Um, but if, if we're not at a point where failure is not an option or if it's not going to kill me, then it can't stop me. Okay. Um, one of the first lessons I learned as a white belt in this art was about limitations. Okay. That a ninja seeks to find their limitations, okay? And not current limitations, not perceived limitations. Where are your limitations for real? But that requires entering realms of discomfort, okay? And here's, here's this, this irony, because even, even uh, psychological uh, studies and all that kind of stuff have found these days um, that kind of back all this stuff up, right? That challenges, pain, discomfort, all that kind of stuff, right? For uber-successful people, they never go away, right? Most people are looking for a state of bliss. They're looking for a state of equilibrium, right? I'm good right here, okay? But uber-successful people are always in a state of discomfort, right? Well, why would they do that, right? Sounds like hell, okay? Because we're always pushing against the limits because that tells you what other skill sets you need to overcome that or to lessen those things for the next time, the next time, the next time. So there's always, there's always a building of something, right? There's always a growing. Okay. And I get it. I, I get it. Not everybody's cut out for this. I mean, if everybody was doing the same thing, then who the hell would be working on the sewers? Who would be, driving the trucks that got the food to the stores. We'd all have gardens and whatever, right? So I get it, right? But there's this association with risk, with challenge, with pain, with discomfort, those kind of things that without it, right, we're, we're never going to find our true limitations. And you will find them, right? Um, not always where you thought they were, right? So – uh, but you're going to find where those limitations are, right? True limitations, like, and, and it's going to change, right? Mine have changed with age, might have changed with uh, certain illnesses have kicked in or certain injuries, whatever. My friends like to say it's not the age, it's the mileage kind of thing, and <laughs> some days I really feel the mileage. Um, but what's the limitation, right? How far can you go? How fast, how far, whatever, before you hit the wall, right? So then if you know what that is, then the next lesson, and again, these were lessons I got from Hatsumi Sensei and other master teachers, not, you know, from some woo-woo, by-myself, uh, self-development course kind of person, right? So you find your limitation, and then there's this neat little irony that goes on, right? You find your limitations, right? 
you're obviously working to your strengths. Most people like to hang out with their strengths and avoid the limitations, right? Um, and then what you do is you learn how to use your limitations as strengths and how your strengths can actually become limitations. Okay, there's a neat little exercise. Um, it's kind of like it's, it's not limitations and strengths, but uh, I'll, I'll share this with you quickly here, that um, if you were to do this, it's, it's a huge eye-opener, um, as long as you're looking for improvement, right? If you're looking to shut things down, it doesn't matter, right? You're just going to do what you do, right? But uh, there's this exercise uh, comes from the Mikyo side of things, right? Nipo Mikyo. And so, uh, you know, if we look back over our lives, right, we see, like, really, really great experiences that we had, right? And if, if I were to ask or a teacher were to ask, what did you learn from that, right? People would tend to answer in the affirmative, right? They would answer positively, right? Their answers would be positive, right? Here's what I learned, and here's what I got out of it. And it, so it's all value-based, right? And then we go back and we look at, okay, um, these experience that you had, the experiences that you had that were really, really crappy. They were really terrible, right? What did you learn from those? And here's where, the, here's where things really get a little weird, right? Because for a lot of people, their brain will lock up, learn from it. It was, a, it was a crappy situation. I didn't learn anything, right? It was painful. It was suffering. I lost money. I lost whatever, right? Other people might go, yeah, what I learned was don't hang out with assholes. Uh, you know, some people are da, 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 whatever, okay? So typically the answers are either non-existent or they're in the negative, okay? It's just negative building upon negative, okay? But in Mikyo, there's this idea, right, that all things have value, right? Nothing doesn't matter, okay? And if we're really seeking truth and we're really seeking clarity and we're really seeking power, right, then everything has value and everything can cause problems, okay? Even positive things, okay? So then what happens with the exercise, right? You, you look at these things and you look at a po positive ones, right? And this works much better if I weren't, like, telling you how the whole thing gets set up, right? But I'm doing it so you can go run the exercise for yourself. The problem that you run into is that ego um, can control the program and then you don't get past ego. Anyway, so it's a risk you're going to have to take. Okay. Speaking of risks, right? So phase one is you go through the program, you go through the process of um, identifying, let's say, one really awesome thing that happened, blah, 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 right? And you see it and, you know, you maybe, uh, the way we were doing it with the visualization was you put a white border around the movie screen. So you're watching it like it's a movie, right? You put a white border around it. Good, valuable, right? What did you learn from it? Here's all this stuff, right? Then you tuck that one away and you pull up a negative experience, right? Right? Here's all this stuff and how bad it was and everything, right? Um, uh, and then you put a black border around it, okay? And then phase two, you pull up the positive exercise again, right? 
and you watch it, and then the question is, what problems has this created for you? What negative has come out of this? What failures did this set you up for? Okay. So, uh, and again, now on this side, people's brains tend to lock up like it does on the, on the negative side, right? Brain tends to lock up because, well, what do you mean? It was, this was great. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I, I remember one time I was, I was, uh, with some, with some other students and we were with uh, my Nikyo teacher, uh, Reverend Jikai. And, um, he was talking to, to folks about, you know, this, this one thing. He was talking to, to one particular student and the student said, Oh, it was the best day ever. And my, my Miko teacher looked at him and said, Oh my God, I'm so sorry for you. I'm like everybody stopped. And this guy's like, What do you mean? Sorry for me. It was, it was the best day ever. He goes, What are you going to do with the rest of your days? If that was the best day ever, and the point he was making, it's one of these huge pivotal lessons in Mikyo, is that if we see one of these situations as being like the greatest thing ever, we could be spending the rest of our lives in a state of dissatisfaction because nothing else will compare, they might get close, whatever, to that best day ever. And now we're, what we're trying to do is match or surpass the best day ever, okay? People go on a great vacation. It was a wonderful time. Instead of having a great time and relax and spending their time and all that and getting back and going to work, what do they do? They go back to work wishing they were still on the boat. I've gone on vacations and wished I were back at work because there was way too much freaking chaos going on. There was way too much. Uh, it was way too much. There was no resetting, right? I've been on vacations where I worked freaking harder and spent and, and expended more energy than I do in my every day. And for those of you who know me, I expend a lot of energy, right? And just just off, right? So what did the, that great situation set you up for? Okay, for a lot of people, if the situation was a great relationship, uh, you know, I always felt like I was taken care of. Uh, you know, growing up, my parents were great. They were always there for me or whatever. Okay. Um, how many times did you get stung by other people who weren't because you were set up to have expectations about relationships and or family bonds and all that, that says, well, people are supposed to do this. I don't know. And I'm just picking an example, right? So anyway, we watch this and we try to, extrapolate we try to pull out some negatives right that we might need to think about right did that set me up to look at things a certain way that now there's expectations there's all these other things there's this idea of attachment right that i'm clinging to these things and because i'm doing this subconsciously unconsciously whatever right it set me up for failure. Maybe, right? And then tuck that away again, pull up the negative exercise, right? Okay. 
Um, as a matter of fact, before you tuck the, the positive one away, right, what you're going to do is you're going to swap out the white border for a black border. Okay? And it's not that it wasn't a great exercise or a great experience. Don't make, don't turn this into like a nihilistic or a pessimistic kind of thing. It's not about that, right? It's about understanding that, you know, um, people go to the amusement park and have a great day. But can you do that, be done at the end of the day, and get on with the next thing you have to do? Because if you're holding on to the amusement park, everything after that's going to suck because we wish we're still back at the amusement park. Okay? But can you imagine staying in an amusement park for days, riding the same rides over and over again? Of course not. Right? Because it would get boring. It's the same reason we don't eat the same foods every day. It's the same reason we don't, you know, whatever, right? It eventually just loses its luster and gets boring. And then if you had to keep doing it, then it would, you know, it would become grating and then it would become annoying and then it would become, right? So anyway, we're going to put a black border around it, right? So put that away again, pull out the negative experience, right? We're going to look at it and we're going to do our best at going in and looking and look for the value that that did for us. Okay. If anybody's listened to episode 68 where I tell my origin story about that abusive stepfather that, that I was raised by, right? Um, I, I tell people this on a regular basis, right? Um, when he passed, I was there with him. Right. I was resentful or anything. I was the dutiful old um, elder son and there was love. Right. Not from his direction, from my direction. And I didn't forgive because it's the thing you do, all that kind of stuff. Right. There's this huge transition. Okay. And a lot of that transition had to do with looking back over my life and things I survived. Right. Not around him, after him, undercover police officer, soldier, all kinds of things, right? And I had to look back and think about how I'm not sure that I would have survived those things had I not had to learn how to survive living with him and being in that world and being in that presence. Had he not treated me the way he did, had he not done the things he did, I don't know that I would have survived those other things later on in my life. Right. So I had to recognize the value in the suffering, the value in the challenge. Right. And I know how warped and, and weird that sounds, but you, you end up learning. And it's, it's only when you run into challenges and problems that you must solve, that you are forced to figure out the skill sets that you have to learn to minimize or eliminate the suffering and the and the problem in the moment, but that will also carry over to minimize, reduce, or eliminate the, the the effects of problems of similar situations in the future. I mean, shit, if, if that weren't true, then you wouldn't have had to train over and over again about or using certain, um, like a technique that you learned, right? You learn it. Well, then you should be good. Yeah, well, see, like, like it only works sometimes and it doesn't work all the time. And like when the guy's bigger and his hands are bigger and whatever, right? Yeah. You don't just learn a technique. You also have to learn when the technique doesn't work. 
And you have to learn why the technique doesn't work. Does it not work because your palms are sweaty and his are, his hands are sweaty and it's the middle of, you know, July or January in Australia, whatever. And you just, you can't hold on to the person or their hands are too big or their strength ratio is such or they're whacked out on some kind of freaking med and they've got, or a neurological problem. And they don't feel pain the same way or whatever, right? So th- there's, there's, there's a need to build more skills, right? Hey, Jason's on. Hey, man. Uh, this all makes perfect sense. Awesome. Okay. Otherwise, you're just following the, either a moron or somebody who's <laughs> bullshitting his way. Anyway, right. So we're back to this program. We're back to this thing, right? This problem. And so you try to find a couple of things, the value that you got out of it, right? Even if the value was, you know, it's close to what you thought was the negative, right? Like I learned that some people are just jackasses. Okay. Can we turn that into a value? Can we turn that into a skill? Oh, I learned that not all people are like they call themselves friends or family members or whatever are out for my best interest. I learned that, you know, I, I have to uh, assess and I have to pay attention to warning signs. I have to whatever, okay? And then as a part of that, you, then you replace the black frame with a white frame, right? And then what you do is you go back and forth between these two, and what you're looking to do is change the border around both to gray, okay? Because there's positive and negative in all things, okay? And so uh, consequences are not all bad either, Okay? Just talking to somebody about this the other day, right? We tend to think of the word consequences as bad, right? Oh, man, the consequences, not good, man, okay? So we'll talk about benefits and consequences and all that, right? But did you know that actually back around the 1900s, early 1900s, when Asian philosophy, Buddhism, that kind of thing, were first introduced to the West, um, I found this in books that I found at like yard sales and all that kind of stuff. I found these things and reading and uh, even the way people, the way people spoke and the, 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 the way they described things, right? Um, it's just not the way we do it th- these days, right? But they didn't use the phrase cause and effect back then. They used the phrase cause and consequences. Okay. Causes and consequences. Right. So it's the same idea. Right. But again, the the one word didn't kind of, you know, just have a negative context like it might today. Right. Because consequences are the outcome of. Right. So generally what we think of is if I if I produce good karma. Right. If I'm, I'm making good decisions, um, I speak the right words, whatever. And I don't mean right as opposed to wrong. I mean appropriate in the moment. Am I doing the right things to produce the outcome that I'm trying to produce? If I do that, right, then I'm going to get positive consequences or positive effects, right? If I'm either unaware and I'm not paying attention, in that case, I'm going to get whatever I get. I mean, whatever, right? Um, and if I'm doing negative actions and, and things like that, right, I'm speaking a certain way and whatever, then I'm going to get negative outcome, right? But again, you know, it's not as simple as that, okay? Um, 
for instance, I don't drop the F-bomb on a regular basis. I mean, just, you know, because I was taught once, once by one of my mentors that if I swear, I might offend somebody. But if I don't swear, I won't offend anybody. Okay? And I try to take that to heart. But then there's this reality, okay, that in certain contexts, if I don't swear, I'm not taken seriously. Okay. If I hang out with my MP or vet buddies, oh, man, but <laughs> military mouth comes out pretty quickly, right? Because we're all, we're all just, this is how we communicate, right? We're back to ribbing each other and razzing and whatever, right? And people will often look and go, man, you guys like one step from fighting? No. This is, right? This, this was mental fortitude in the military. Um, so, but anyway, um, but, you know, like I said, around here, I don't, right? But if I go to South Philly or someplace like that and I'm being approached or intimidated or whatever, um, oh, no, found a family member who's just diagnosed with cancer. Oh, I'll have to investigate that. Sorry, I didn't mean to let that slip out. I'm trying to get rid of the vibrating you thing here, right? My phone is irritating me. Okay, so... um uh, where was I going with that? If um, if I'm not paying attention to things, or if I'm producing these, th- right, anyway, from South Philly, right? There's that's where I was, or Atlanta, whatever, right? And I'm being intimidated, or somebody's threatening me, or whatever, and I say, uh, "Please, sir, you know, I don't want any trouble." Okay. Um, in some of these neighborhoods, I know because I was I grew up in one of these for a period of my life, right? I might as well have the word victim etched in my forehead, right? So unless I drop F-bomb, carry myself a certain way, speak a certain way or whatever, I'm not going to be taken seriously, okay? But at the same time, I don't want to go visit one of my corporate clients and be dropping F-bombs all over the place or walking around like, you know, I've got a, a thug edge to me or whatever because that's not going to produce the results. So all these things are contextual, right? That's a skill set. That assessment of what's right and appropriate in the moment is a skill set, right? And if I get it right, I'm going to meet, I'm going to fail less often, right? And then we'll talk about um, failure here a little bit more because I really want to dive into this. Well, we're going to be short on time here, but I'll talk about this a little bit more so we can get our heads re repositioned, I think, relative to it, right? Because in the Western school system, I can't speak to the Eastern one because I didn't go to those, right? But the Western school system, it's a pass or fail kind of thing. Passing is good, failing is bad, right? But rarely, if ever, are people introduced to the idea of a do-over or the, uh, you know, learning from failure and whatnot, right? And if they do have that, then, you know, somebody's allowed to take a test five times um, till they get a passing grade, and then they can move on, right? Um, but they're not really taught. They're taught to study. or Actually, let me change that back. They're told to study, but they're not taught how to study. And that's different, right? They're told to prepare for a test, but they're not taught how to prepare for a test. Okay? Two completely different things, right? So... Um, here's the thing with 
with successful people or the way a ninja would think, right? I, 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 where did I do that? I just had a, a little lesson that I did not too long ago. Um, maybe it was one of the YouTube shorts or I don't know, something like that, right? Where I was talking about uh, my grandson's favorite, uh, current favorite Looney Tune character, right? And I know all these violent cartoons, right? Except that there's no correlation, right? Correlation, causation, that kind of thing, right? So favorite one now is like Wiley e. Coyote, right? Going after the Roadrunner, for those of you who know that character, right? So the big thing that stood out to me now, right, looking at those things, is not only that they're templated and it's the same crap different day, right? But it's that Wiley e. Coyote goes through all this process of, you know, he's a genius, right? Supposedly, right? My grandson, he's three. And again, he picked up on the idea that he's a genius, but none of his plans work. I said, well, I don't think he gives it enough time for it to work. And he doesn't understand that at that level. But here's what happens. He designs this thing out. He's smart enough to build it and all that, right? And then something goes amiss. Maybe a rope breaks or whatever, okay? And then what's he do? Well, he scraps the whole thing and starts over again with something completely different, okay? Successful people have something. They use something called planned or orchestrated failure. And what that means is they go into a plan knowing this are, there's a lot that they probably don't know. So based on what I know, here's where we're going to start. And I'm assuming, I mean, I'll be surprised if this thing works perfectly out of the gate. Because if it did, then I'm not working on something that's really, really um, that big, right? I mean, it's, it's not, was it really a plan, right? Oh, I know how to do this, okay? Uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, so uh, let's say Wiley e. Coyote's doing this thing. I'm, I'm remembering one of these cartoons where he's got this barrel and the top lid is, you know, there's all these lit sticks of dynamite. It's hoisted above this road. And when the roadrunner comes by to eat some bird seed or whatever, he's going to drop this thing. And he lets go of the rope and it, the barrel doesn't fall. Okay. So he yanks on it. That doesn't work. He climbs up. But of course, the weight of him on it, right? It snaps the rope, and then he falls, and then the barrel falls, and whatever, right? So the orchestrated failure is if I determine what went wrong, I don't have to scrap the whole plan. Okay, rope wasn't strong enough. Need different rope, okay? Why did he get stuck? Pulley got stuck, whatever, okay? I fix those things and go back at it again. I should get better results. And what happens is I'm going to get better results until the next thing fails. Okay. This is what James and I have been working on um, for a while where we're putting things in place, right? And you should see emails coming out. Where we're offering these different programs and stuff like that, right? And so what we're doing is we're starting at the front end and we're working through these things and we're pushing more and more. Um, let's say we're not really pushing, but we're, we're um, making an offer to more people, okay? So I did this one thing at the dojo for parents of kids uh, for a very specific reason, right? It had to do with bullying and, and confidence and those kind of things. We call it a Strong Kid, Safe Kid program, right? So uh, turned on some Facebook ads and all that kind of stuff, ran parents in, and then what we were doing was we were looking to watch the, the process work, and we were going to – we're not, we're going to, we have, right? 
and we push it through until the system breaks. Okay. Well, where does the system break? Okay. If it's breaking at the communication level between, like, it got us a whole bunch of people that were interested, right? Leads, right? Prospective students or prospective parents of, of students, right? But then while we're discussing the program over the phone, more often than not, they're saying no. Well, that's the break point, right? If more often than not, they're saying yes, and it's not a money reason, time reason, whatever, right? Okay. Um, I, I signed up because I was curious and wanted to know, like, um, you know, what you were all about. Well, hell, the phone number was right there on the ad. You could have just called that instead of gone through the whole process. Either way, right? Okay. So wherever it is, it's going to break. So we're doing the same thing with online programs, right? I put up. Uh, videos on YouTube, articles, all that kind of stuff, right? People are interested. They go to this thing, right? Or they don't. If they don't, well, then it's broken at the front. That message is broken, right? And then I fix that, try something else. Okay, that's successful. Moves through, moves through. It's broken here, right? That's how we're fixing it. What a lot of people do is they'll set this thing up, and let's say they set up a school, they put up a flyer, whatever, and then they go, well, see, nobody's interested. Well, how many flyers did you put out? Oh, I don't know. There's like 10 bulletin boards in the area. And I put 10. Holy shit. There's only a one in 10,000 turnaround from a flyer to an enrollment across the board in the martial arts. One in 10,000. Shit, I'll give you one in a thousand. Okay. 10. Wow. Really stretched your effort that day, didn't you? Okay. So, um, there needs to be there needs to be kind of a, a a watch on it, right, and a recognition that we're going to fail. There's going to be things that we just don't know enough about. Okay, one of the reasons why the ninja has all the skills that they have is the mission's going to run into problems. Shit can happen. Okay, think about all the self defense skills we have. Okay. Everything from rolling and leaping to break falls to evasion to taking a punch and riding it off and neutralizing it. To I mean, I'm talking about all the ukemi and stuff, right? But there's all of these things, right? Why do we have them? Because I don't know how his hand's going to end up in mine or his arm or how I'm going to end up relative to him or what I'm going to need. When I trip or he shoves me or I jump out of the way of this thing he's throwing at me or whatever, right? So I increase my chances of success by having more options. But the reality is I increase my chances of success by rearranging my, my, uh, my relationship to risk and failure. Okay. And when I say, you know, my association with risk, it doesn't mean I just charge into the freaking cave. I'm going to poke the bear and see what happens. It's not about that, right? It's a calculated risk, and, you know, I'm looking at certain things. But at the same time, um, there's this saying that one of my mentors uses, and I love it, right? He calls it embracing the suck, okay? Because things are going to not be so great until we figure it out, okay? Unfortunately, most of us forgot There's something that happens between the ages of five and six, and child psychologists tell us about this, where before that, like all the trauma that you had, 
right? You could have had the greatest parents in the world, but you had trauma, okay? All the trauma and crap like that, right? You just end up forgetting most of it, okay? The number of times you bounced your skull off the floor, a table, a toy, whatever, right? It's gone, okay? Um, you know, you bit your tongue or, right, um, here's the embracing the suck, right? Your parents taught you how to tie your shoes. How long did that take? Most of us don't even remember, which is why we get irritated when we teach a kid and they don't get it right away. Well, how can you not get this? This is really simple. Well, it is now. How many times have you tied shoes or your martial arts jacket closed or whatever, right? But there was a period of suck for everything we were learning from, from writing our alphabet to tying shoes to feeding ourselves with a utensil for the first time and having the shit not fall off, right? And then an empty utensil hitting our mouth, right? And we just kept wanting to go back to grabbing with our hands like caveman grog, right? But as a kid, suck is all we got, right? I mean, um, and somehow, somewhere along the line, we lost it, right? That we, we're, we're not okay with it. I think a lot of it has to do with the educational thing. It could have had to do with mentors. I know I lost it for a long time because I was, wasn't just walking on eggshells, right? There was a fear of an explosion at any moment, right? Because the punishment for saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing or whatever, um, was fucking brutal, right? But anyway, right? So failure, the consequences of failure, right? If we can get our head wrapped around the fact that, one, in today's world, the consequences of failing at a goal that we're trying for. I mean, the only way to truly fail, right, is to die trying or you just decide, you know what, screw it, I quit, right? We can readjust, we can retry, we can whatever, we can re a whole bunch of things, right? Redesign, recreate, whatever, okay? Um, but if we quit, then... All bets are off. But then what ego will do is just tell people a whole lot of, uh, you know, excuses or reasons for it happening when the reality was the only reason it happened was we individually chose to stop. Okay. But um, if we could rearrange or realign our, our, our relationship to failure and consequences and things like that to where failing is not a bad thing. Failing is an indicator that something is off, right? And failure is a part of the success process. Okay? I remember a poster that was out a bunch of years ago when Michael Jordan was at the top of his game in basketball because he was never at the top of his game in baseball, right? Um, this poster was out, um, and it said, I'm a failure. I think it said something like that, I'm a failure, right? And it listed all of the free throws he missed, all the passes he missed, all kinds of things. It's a whole list of things that he missed in games and things like that, right? And at the bottom it said, I'm a success because I've failed so often. And it was just a huge paradigm shift, right? That failure is a part of the success paradigm, okay? For those of you who go to class and train, Right. And haven't let disappointment or whatever. Or you didn't get it right the first time. And so this must not be me. Right. Um, since Hasmi <laughs> says, and this is in, in print in several places across his, uh, some of his books, different words in different places. Um, I think the first time I saw it was in a book called 
was it called? It wasn't Secrets from the Grand Master, or maybe it was. It was the one he co-wrote with Stephen and Rumiko Hayes, not the other one. There's a small white book where there were a whole bunch of uh, Shidoshi that he, he had chats with and all that. But that followed on the tail end of this first one. And actually, truth be told, the second one was written because a bunch of people got butthurt because they didn't, you know, they, they, nobody interviewed them for a, whatever, just bullshit stuff. Anyway, so um, in the book... Uh, Hatsumi Sensei and, and Shoshi Hayes were discussing this idea of uh, trying, right? And Hatsumi Sensei said uh, something to the effect that, you know, trying is not just a couple of times. He said, if you're trying to get this art and you've been, you've been trying for 10 years and still can't get it, then, okay, maybe just consider trying or consider doing something else. 10 years, Okay. Most of my mentors that are like way, way down the line, right? They don't think in like when it comes to like success, they don't th- think in terms of days or weeks or months. They think in terms of years, right? Five year marks, decade, that kind of thing, right? But we can be convinced by a drive up society that, right? That's just, that's just going to take too long, right? It's too much time, too much effort, too much work, right? But is it that or is it that we live in a culture where we're pretty damn comfortable and these other things would be cool to have, right? Cool to have. But if I don't make it, I'm not going to be dipped in shit, right? I'm not going to be boiled in oil. I'm not going to be whatever, okay? But what if, right? Because there's lots of people around the world that, right, they, the failure or the, the what is that, um, the, the consequences of failure is death. And I don't necessarily mean because they were, you know, doing criminal things or whatever, right? I don't feel like getting up today. I think I'll call, you know, Uber Eats or whatever, right? Really? I don't go to the well and bring water back. And I don't go set the, or, or set or check the traps. We go hungry or whatever. Right? And the, I think the easier that somebody has it, the harder it is for them to do really big things. Right. One of my favorite lines from Elon Musk. And I think it, it was, he, he was a guest host on Saturday Night Live. And I haven't watched Saturday Night Live for decades because once he got uber political, then that's not, that's just not funny to me, right? It's just, it's just an agenda wrapped in jokes, but it's only for a certain type of people who they're pandering to, right? But leading up to this, this thing on Saturday Night Live, uh, a bunch of people were, you know, talking about Elon Musk in, in negative ways, like, you know, uh, when's this guy ever take a vacation? Uh, well, all this stuff, right? He's, you know, always, he's like a workaholic and uh, all this stuff, right? And during his monologue at the very beginning, he came out and he said, he addressed this, right? People say this, and then, and what he said was, um, I've reinvented the electric car and I'm going to put human beings on the moon in my lifetime or on Mars in my lifetime. Did you really think I was just another chill guy or another chill dude? And it's true. Absolutely true. 
Okay. You can't get there by doing what everybody else does. Okay. If you do what everybody else does, you get what everybody else has. And as long as that's okay, have at it. Okay. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's not the way it works, right? But I think, I think the biggest thing that gets in most people's way is their association with failure. Okay. I'm a huge fan of the do over. Okay. I'm a huge fan of tweaking situations, right? Um, call it making lemonade out of lemons or, or whatever. I mean, you know, and you can, you can, as we used to say in the military, you can screw the pooch pretty badly, right? But what do you have? Okay. Uh, and again, this stuff comes from our art, right? There's no such thing as a failed technique unless you're dying, right? Any failed technique is actually the setup for something completely different. One of the skills, and again, most people look at skills like punching, kicking, joint locks, pressure point attacks, those kind of things, right? But what about the skills like not attaching yourself to a technique so that when it's failing, you keep struggling to do it, and then you get your ass beaten or killed because you won't let go, okay? It's a skill, right? It's a skill to be developed that as soon as you run into resistance, you feel where things are going, and you recognize, oh, well, shit, you want to do that, right? It's a skill to develop a mindset that when he resists against something or he escapes from it and there's another target in front of you, right, your mind goes to, oh, that's perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. Thanks. As opposed to, oh, shit, missed that one again. Oh, I just because when we do that, we panic and we try harder. And what we're doing is we're so focused on being successful with the thing we have to do that we miss all the other opportunities. And then we get our ass kicked. That is one of my teachers used to call it. We're an accomplice to our own ass kicking. Okay. In the Gyoko school, right, before you even touch kata, right, there are these three full-body mudra, and they have to do with um, mudra, posturing, sometimes you know, the hands, body, whatever, right? But there are these, these positions, right? And there's different associations that are going on, but they're the reality of being in combat, okay? And they address things like recognizing universal justice, okay? No matter how good I am, right? Whichever one of us does the most right things at the, at the right times, and we don't, you know, we do less mistakes at the wrong times whoever's in that position universal justice says they're going to win it has nothing to do with righteousness morality ethics i'm the good guy he's the bad guy you know what western films have really screwed people up i much prefer eastern films because the good guy doesn't always win it's about life right and sometimes You know, it's crappy at the end, right? And I remember one year in the West here, the one year, one year there were three what I called Buddhist movies that came out uh, in the same year. One was called Message in a Bottle with Kevin Costner. Uh, one was, um, what's it called, City of Angels? 
Meg Ryan and Nicolas Cage. And then there was another one. And they all ended in a, a lot of people did not like the movies because the hero or heroine died in the end. And it was kind of crappy, except that they were all teaching about the human condition. And think life goes on and, and, and things like that, right? But, man, Westerners are really stung by the whole, you know, it's going to work out in the end. So much so that you hear people say that shit all the time. Dude, you'll get through this. It all works out right in the end. No. It all works out, but not necessarily positively. Okay? And you need to be able to ride those things, right? So, and so what? That thing didn't work so well. Or look at the run we had. Yeehaw. What's next? Okay? Where do I go from here? Not, fuck, where do I go from here? No. It might be time for a skill assessment. might be time for a, a goal assessment, whatever. What's next? Okay. Where do I go from here? Okay. Are there some skills that maybe mm, I should have had or some skills I let lapse or whatever? And for the next run, right, I'm going to do this. Okay. Uh, you know, for some people, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I've, I've had a couple of relationships in my life, right? A couple of marriages. And, um, you know, I, I just, I've, I've always been confused by the people that are like, you know, well, I loved once. That sucked. I'm never going to love again. Right? It's like, dude, if you fell out of a chair, would you never sit down again? That's just stupid. Okay. But, are there other things, right? What ha again, using that, that exercise I gave you earlier, right? Okay. What did you put off, put on hold, or sacrifice for because you were in this role over here that you now have time for? Okay. What did you do that maybe didn't work so well or contributed to the stuff that now you get a chance to do it over and work on those skills and become and bring out those aspects of yourself so that you can try that on for size. Okay. I don't know. I'm not you, right? But it's all part of the process. Okay. So the consequences of failure depends on your mindset. Okay. Is it going to hurt? Maybe. But again, you're probably not going to be fried in oil. Probably not going to be beheaded. Okay? So what's the upside of keep of continuing going? Okay? But we could flip this as well and say, what are the consequences of success? Do you know the number of people that have heart attacks after they win the lottery? Right? Or commit suicide or whatever? No, because they don't publish those numbers. Okay? Do you know how many people are broke within a year after they won the lottery. Because if you have piss poor money management skills before you win that much money, you're, you're just going to do the same shit but on a bigger scale after you have more money. Okay? Most people don't prepare for that kind of thing. They play and they want to win, but they don't prepare for the vultures 
that are going to come out of the woodwork because your name gets published and it doesn't take that much for them to find your contact information or whatever. Charities come out of the woodwork. Family members, really? You're not going to share some of that money with them? Holy shit, right? Be prepared for some rocking and rolling in that direction, right? So, uh, you know, there's, there's some people out there that are coaches for folks that win the lottery and stuff. And the first thing most of them suggest is, suggest is you change your phone number, right? You get rid of the old one, right? You already have, you already have plans for where percentages are going to go, right? So that one, you don't get in your own way. Two, you don't, you know, trip over other things. You prepare for family discord and other kind of shit that's going to happen, right? Um, because again, everybody thinks of like how great it's going to be, right? And like I said, a lot of these people, like the, the stress, right, of, of constant phone calls and, and being harassed by people who are out to get money, right, for good causes or not, right? And some people can't handle it, right? Freaking kill themselves or they have heart attacks or, right, uh, just all kinds of crap, right? So um, anyway, right? But it's a cool thing, right? Look at how much money I won. Yep, and 55% or better is going to go to Uncle Sam because you just went to the top uh, tax bracket, right? So you can hate the 1% all you want, but as soon as you win that much money, you're in the one-tenth of 1%. Now you're one of them. Interesting, huh? Anyway, all right, so where are we? We're at 927. I don't have... uh, James keeping me on track with stuff. So uh, all I see at the moment are, let's see, Jason's comment, Jill's comment. I don't know who's on in other directions, but um, questions, comments. This probably wasn't a cool one for most people. I'm going to do this. You're going to see me, like, my eyes are going to be, for those of you on video, you're going to see me darting around here because what I want to do is give you a kind of a, a heads up on upcoming topics. So, uh, again, you know, you guys are more than welcome to post comments on the Kuden podcast Facebook page uh, or send in emails, right, warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com uh, or where else? Um, oh, in the comment section on YouTube under the uh, episodes and things like that, um, that if there's any topics, right, or things that you, you would like me to cover during some of these things. Um, let me know, right? So let's see. My computer updated earlier and like everything got turned off. So not turned off, but reset. So I just need to bring up this schedule because I want to give folks some things. And while I'm waiting for that to load up, uh, don't forget I, I had to move the spring camp, spring ninja camp. Uh, it is now scheduled for May 19th, 20th, and 21st. Uh, the theme is Ninja Rounds of Power. If you go to onlineninjaacademy.com forward slash events. You can see the uh, uh, sessions, topics that we planned out. You know, things that aren't there unless some of my breakout guys uh, uh, pick up on the topic. Typically, they have their own. So a couple of instructors that are doing some breakout sessions, so they're not listed. Uh, um, now, those, those things that are listed are not necessarily all separate sessions. Sometimes they're things are combined or whatever, but that's, the, that's what you're going to be learning. Right. Um, fall camp is scheduled for September 29th and 30th, October 1st. So these are Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 
events. Uh, that's going to be out in January. It's just the weekend, I think, it's the 5th, 6th, and 7th. So the first full weekend after the New Year. Um, uh, they are normally scheduled as a Friday evening. 8 to 10 is the, is the Friday evening session for folks that can get in early for that. And those who come in early for that can actually take the classes that are going on the dojo before that. And there's no extra cost to that. You pay to come in for a seminar, and then you just, just do that. And then all day Saturday, all day Sunday, not counting on lunch break. Um, uh, sometimes we do an evening, like a late evening session. Sometimes we don't, or whatever. But uh, um, lots of stuff. Anyway, let's see. I'm going to bring up my schedule. Now those things have popped up. And podcasts. So, where am I now? This is, I think this is episode. Okay. There. So, uh, next week, unless I, for whatever reason, change my topic because somebody had something that was really cool and really pressing. Uh, next week's session is uh, going to be on how to own and maintain your power. Right. Uh, uh, let's see. We have that. I'm managing positive change. Uh, let's see. I'm just going to move down here a couple of weeks. Delusional training. Um, uh, just different. That one we're talking about mindsets that people have in training um, that will not serve you on the street. Right? Um, we're going to uh, cover this idea that there's this myth in the martial arts, right, uh, where somebody would do some dumb shit, right? And I'll call them on. They'll go, well, a real fight I would, and they'll, they'll say they're going to do this other thing, right? But the reality is that, that the way we train, the more often we do something, we build those habits and it gets stacked up in the unconscious storehouse or the unconscious. Um, uh, and, and so, so under duress, under pressure, when the left brain takes a vacation, whatever's in there for the most, that's what's going to come out, right? So, so in a real fight, you absolutely will not do the shit you think you're going to do. You're going to do what's in there. You're going to do your habits. Just like you run your habitual programs when you're not thinking about it, no matter how much you want to be doing the new thing. I want to stop chewing my nails. I want to stop, you know, whatever, right? Except that whenever you're not mindfully engaging, right, or mindfully living, you end up, you know, you catch yourself, shit, I'm biting my nails, or I'm doing this thing, or I'm doing it, whatever, okay? So how she gets away from people, right? Um, if you don't believe me, Go to your settings on your, your on your cell phone and check out um, how much time you spent on the phone in the different apps, YouTube, whatever, right? Or if you ever sat down, down to like, I'm just going to check this, right? And the next thing you know, right, it's two hours later, and I just lost two hours that I could have been working on this thing, right? But I got caught reading um, – reading memes or reading headlines or, or whatever. I went down some freaking rabbit hole that could have been scheduled for some other time because now I can't get that time back and I should have been working on this thing that I started working on, but right, which is why my notifications are turned off, which is why some people get irritated at me, including family members, right? I called you like an hour ago, yeah? Ringer and my and vibrator is turned off. Okay. Well, why? I mean, if there was an emergency, I found that. I mean, if there was an emergency, I couldn't have done anything about it anyway. Right? Unless the building onion is on fire, and I'm pretty sure I would have known about that. 
right? But if if I'm a slave to all the dings and notifications and whatever, I'm never getting anything done. Okay. So anyway, uh, let's see. Aspect something I like mine. Um, that's kind of a let's move into um, uh, there's these seven aspects uh, of an enlightened mind that are part of this grander lesson kind of thing. We're talking about those. Because if you don't know what, what it is that you're working on or where you're going, well, then you're shooting in the dark, right? Uh, so an episode on controlling anger, uh, an episode on uh, like what's it, the technique name. We're going to talk about um, how we're given names, and, and there's different reasons. Uh, and different um, different ways that happen, right? Uh, red pill, blue pill, uh, symbology, uh, five element system for growth, that kind of stuff, right? So anyway, so there's a good mix of, of between like martial artsy kind of things and um, this you know, kind of a success thing that we keep playing off of and uh, not getting our own way. So anyway, let me get back over here to the screen. So that. All right, so. Uh, uh, any other questions, comments, complaints? Was this valuable at all? Did I ran much and it didn't make any sense? Right. Um, anything? Anybody? What do we have? Huh. It's really weird. I'm, I'm, this thing is showing me um, four participants, but I'm listed three times and <laughs> then one time and whatever. So I'm not. I'm not sure what the what the logic behind a lot of these things are. I don't see any of their comments. So here's what I'm going to do. I've had a long day. We're really trying to get back into my house. Um, uh, no thanks to uh, to a contractor. But if for whatever reason he ever sees these things, he should know that as we're winding these things up and I'm actually saving things and, and it's, it's all going to work out, right? Get my family in there. As soon as that's not a problem, I will have more time and energy to devote to the legal things that I have uh, waiting for his nary ass. So anyway, um, kind of keeps me sane so that my head doesn't go into a dark place, uh, you know, because there's a part of me that wants to do other things. But he's not worth going to jail over. So, all right, that's what I have. Hopefully I'll see uh, folks uh, in some upcoming programs that we have, spring camp, fall camp, whatever, whatever works for you. And if nothing else, I'll see you next week on the next episode of, where are we? Oh, yeah, Kuden. See you next time. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.